This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode, and today I'll be breaking down week 10 of the college football season. I can't believe it. This season is flying. It's almost coming to an end, the regular season anyway, and college basketball is almost upon us. So let's cherish every week that we got left because as much as we love college basketball here as much as I love betting college basketball there's nothing quite like a full Saturday of games especially when the stakes are high in November these teams are out there trying to make it a November to remember I'm trying to make it a November to remember from myself on the gambling side of things so let's get in to this big week 10 slate but before we do that just a reminder you can find me on social media all at the same handle at gorgon sports hit me up there and be a part of the show all right let's do it week 10 is ahead it's already started there's been some midweek action already played there was snow it's what you love about November football, though I think technically it might have still been October football. Uh, no, it was last night. That was last night. Uh, no, that was Halloween night where we had all that snow in Toledo. All right, October snow, a little too early for me, but uh, hey, that's what we love about Maction, especially in the month of November. So a quick look back at week nine and how I did, uh, kept kept that ball moving, kept advancing the chains because I was up a quarter of a unit in week nine. Uh, Hey, it's on the positive side for the season on my week zero through nine bets up just over 13 units. For my futures, down 1.34 units, but still got some big ones out there with big odds that I'm hoping to hit, especially those Heisman ones. And that takes me for the season in total to ju- up just under 12 units plus 11.3, 11.73 units on the season, looking to keep advancing the ball in week 10. So let's get right into it because we have some really big games this week, especially in the SEC and the Big 12. But we'll talk about those as I kind of go through what I'm watching, what I'm betting. It's time to spray the board. And let's start on Friday night where we have an ACC matchup, an old Big East matchup. Boston College goes to Syracuse on Sunday. This was the first game that I played last Sunday. It popped at BC plus four and a half. That's what I got it at. That's what I tweeted it out at. It's now down to three. I'd still play it at three. And I'm taking BC and those points going on the road to Syracuse. I think Boston College's offense has really transformed since Thomas Castellanos took the helm he's been a huge difference maker for them uh, he'll turn the ball over a little bit of time at times but he'll also make some big plays Syracuse has been trending down they've lost four in a row yes three of them have been on the road yes they've all been against good 
decent to good teams in Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, and Virginia Tech, but they've given up at least 31 points in every one of those games. I really like Boston College to score here. Like I said, I think that offense has been transformed under Castellanos. Last week, they got a win over UConn. Boston College did, and uh, it was only 21-14, but it was really a much more dominant performance than that if you dig a little bit deeper. They almost doubled them up in yardage 433 to 222 Boston College did turn the ball over a couple times but they absolutely ran it down their throat 246 yards on the ground I really like Boston College to go on the road here in a big time old Big East matchup and get that win. I played it at plus four and a half on Sunday. I'd play it down to plus three and Boston College will also be my first leg of my money line parlay of the week. Now let's move on to the noon time slot. The other game that I tweeted out last Sunday, one of the first two games that I actually played, uh, grabbed it right away was Florida minus six and a half hosting Arkansas. Now, this line is now down to five, I see, on Caesars. And I grabbed this one because I just feel like Arkansas, at this point in the season, does not have a lot to play for. Their offense has been very bad this year. Uh, they've had some close games. They've really struggled in one-score games, which is kind of a sign that they could turn it around. But that last game against who was it against I think it was Mississippi State a few weeks ago uh, right before their bye week was just atrocious uh, on the offensive side of the ball it was a 7-3 loss at home to Mississippi State it was a game where Arkansas only managed 97 yards through the air they had an even 200 yards on the day 3.1 yards per pass. Uh, their offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, was let go. But to me, this shows uh, the, a lot of the signs of a team that just doesn't have much left to play for. Florida, they they got beaten by Georgia like everybody gets beaten by Georgia in the cocktail party. So I really don't take a whole lot away from that. When Georgia, when Florida has played comparable teams they've actually done quite well this season uh tennessee they get a 29-16 win early in the season south carolina they went on the road a couple weeks ago they were able to put up 41 points in that one got a 41-39 win i like florida in this one i see the logic that maybe there's a little bit of a bounce back with enos gone uh they're coming off a bye they could put some new things in and that offense takes a big step up but you you got to prove it to me. I think that's the thought process and why this line has come down a little bit. For me, I'm still sticking with Florida. I think Billy Napier is making solid progress there. They're not quite where they want to be yet this season, and they're not quite at the level that they expect, which is competing and beating Georgia. But I think they are very much good enough to beat this Arkansas team and to shut that offense down. That offense has not been good this year, and they're going to have to prove to me that there's been significant changes. And if I lose that one, I lose that one, but that's how I'm going to play it. Also at the noontime slot, a game that I don't think when this one came out, anybody thought that it was going to be at noon. I think everybody thought this would be night in Death Valley, and that's Notre Dame 
going to Clemson. Uh, nobody certainly thought Clemson was going to be four and four at this point in the season. And there's been a lot of tumult for Clemson uh, last week or th- earlier this week in on Dabo Swinney's radio call in show. A call, a fan called up and essentially said, "Why are we paying you all this money to go four and four? And he kind of let Dabo kind of let some of his frustration out on the fan and the fan base in general, just about everything that they've accomplished there. And look, they've accomplished a ton there. They have taken it. I, I can't tell you how many times I have had this conversation with people where I have said Dabo Swinney's coaching job at Clemson is one of the most impressive coaching jobs I have ever seen. He took a very mid-tier program with a passionate fan base and he elevated it to the elite, elite of the sport, to multiple national championships in just a couple years' time. He built an absolutely elite program, but now he's got to remake that program if he wants to keep it elite. Having said all that, this Clemson team is four and four, and I, I don't like to make excuses, but they, I think, are much better than that four and four record. They are very close to being six and two or seven and one. I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna go eight and zero because I think they thoroughly got beaten in that Duke game. But if you look at this Florida State, Miami, and NC State games, they could have won any of those games. I think this is still a very good defense. Uh, This offense has just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. I like Clemson here in a buy low spot. So I'm going to take the Tigers plus three points. It was three and a half earlier this week. I missed out on that, but I'll still take the three. And I'm going to make them my second leg of my money line parlay of the week. Now, some other big games at the noon slot that I'm not uh, not going to have any action on, but are very important in the grand scheme of college football. Perhaps the biggest game at noon is big noon kickoff. Number 23, Kansas State goes to Texas. Texas, a four-point favorite. And this is essentially an elimination game in the Big 12 Conference. Kansas State and Texas are among that group of teams tied at the top of the league at 4 and 1. It's Kansas, or it's Kansas State, it's Texas, it's Oklahoma and it's Iowa State and then you and then uh, you can't forget the Oklahoma State Cowboys who have come out of absolutely nowhere to put up that four and run record. Who would have thought after they lost to South Alabama earlier in the season, but this is kind of like an elimination game. I think it's an essentially an elimination game in the big 12. And the question, the big question for, for Texas in this one is, can they win this game with Malik Murphy at starting quarterback? Quinn yours still out. Texas is going to have to survive without Quinn yours. And that's the big question here. On the Kansas State side, they have such an interesting situation going on where they have this two-headed monster at quarterback of Will Howard and Avery Johnson. Will Howard, the guy who led them to a Big 12 championship a year ago. Avery Johnson, a super highly touted freshman. And if you're Texas, I just don't even know who you can who you prepare for, how you prepare for it, because it's not like there's been an even split in every game. It's not like they've only let Avery Johnson do one thing. I mean, yes, he's been a little bit more run heavy, but there has been games where Will Howard 
has gotten the majority of the snaps. There's been games where it's been more of an Avery Johnson game. And there's been games where they've kind of just split it right down the middle. And this is a, a Kansas State team that now over the these past two games has outscored TCU and Houston a combined 82 to three. The defense is starting to play well, and it seems like a team really rounding into form. A year ago, Texas got out to a really big lead. It's a tough way for Kansas State to play. If Kansas State can get out to a lead in this one, I think it's very game state dependent. If Kansas State can get out to a lead, I like their chances in this one. Another big question for me in this one is, can Texas start to convert in the red zone? Can they fix some of their red zone woes and their short yardage woes? Because that has been a real problem for them. Going back a week ago, there was a couple times where Steve Sarkeesian went for it on fourth down inside the, uh, the uh, who, did, who did they play? The BYU five. And it seemed like almost to make a statement that they need to get this fixed. Like he wanted to give them the opportunity to, to get this fixed. And they got stopped on both of those, uh, on both of those opportunities. And Steve Sarkeesian even expressed some frustration with it. He said, there's a certain level of frustration with not being able to punch it in. And there, there has to be, because that's the kind of thing that is going to hold Texas back, especially while they have a backup quarterback playing for Quinn Ewers. So I think this is going to be a really interesting one, and it's going to be interesting on both perspective, on both sides to see how exactly how far has Kansas State come over the past couple months, and are they truly a Big 12 contender, the Big 12 contender that we thought they were going to be as we came into the season? And from a Texas perspective, are they that national championship contender that we think they can be? Uh, because a national championship contender, even with your starting quarterback out, finds a way to get this one done. This is why Malik Murphy stayed. This is why you needed him to stay for moments like this. And I'm really excited to watch this one in the Big 12. All right, continuing on with the rest of our college football day here, let's go to the 330 spot and start with probably the most interesting game in that spot and also a game I'm betting. And that's Georgia hosting Mizzou. I'm taking the dogs. Dogs minus 14 and a half. I see it on Bet Rivers. And look, I think I've, I've been a big fan of Missouri all year. I bet on Mizzou a couple times this year. I like everything that team is doing and what they've built. But I think we're starting to see that when Georgia... Georgia and Michigan, to me, have started to separate themselves at the very top of this sport, the elite among the elite. And Georgia has had times where they sleep, have sleptwalked this year, but every time Georgia is really faced with an opponent that they feel like might threaten them. If you look back to the Tennessee game a year ago where I was on the wrong side of that one, I took Tennessee to come in and beat them. I gave you my whole thing about how good offense beats good defense in this day and age of college football. Georgia took it to them in that game. Earlier this season, there was some talk about, oh, maybe Kentucky can take down Georgia. What does Georgia do? They go out and they put up a 51 spot. A week ago, Georgia goes out and they just smash Florida 43 to 20. Never close. 
I think that this Missouri team will have Georgia's full attention. And I think that Georgia runs away with this one. Give me the dogs minus 14 and a half elsewhere at three 30. I hate to do this. I hate to talk about this even, but it's a game that is just so obviously misaligned to me from a point spread perspective. And it's a game involving my alma mater, my favorite team, a team that I'm super passionate about that I grew up rooting for Maryland Terrapins, Maryland host Penn state this weekend. This line opened uh, on Sunday around 10, 10 and a half. It has now dropped to all the way down to eight and a half in some places. And look, this is just a situation where I don't care what the computers say. I don't care what the models are telling you. I don't care about the stats. I know this game. I know these programs. I know how these games go. And Maryland should not be any less than a 14 and a half, 17 point underdog. The way this game goes, Penn State dominates Maryland every chance they get. And they make it a point to not just beat, but embarrass Maryland, whether it's in the stands, whether it's on the field. If I've seen some talk, I've seen some some talk chatter this week, like, oh, so uh, interesting spot. Maryland's had a good, you know, Maryland got off to a good start. They have some talent. They have some weapons. They It's a buy low spot because Maryland hasn't played well least recently. They've lost a couple game, big games or they've not big games. They've lost a couple games that they should win. This is a Super Bowl type game for them. The crowd will be bumping. Well, that's not going to happen. The crowd's not going to be rocking, and I hate to say it because the best-case scenario for Maryland in this one, and I am not kidding, the best-case scenario is that this will be a 50-50 split in terms of the fans. Maryland football has had attendance problems for years and years and years. This year has been no different. There was some excitement building, and all of that excitement is gone after back-to-back losses to Illinois and Northwestern. One at home and one coming off a bye. All of that is gone. There are so many Penn State fans in this area. There are so many Penn State fans within driving distance. It is such a huge, fanatical fan base that they take over that stadium every chance they get. So forget about the home field advantage. There is no home field advantage here for Maryland. Secondly, James Franklin in this Penn State program lives off DMV recruits. That is that is where they live. That is where he has built this program on recruiting kids out of DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And I think that's a big part of why when they play, his team takes this game so seriously. One, because he wants to make a point. James Franklin and this coaching staff, I think, want to make a point. Why would you go and play at Maryland when you can be on the side that has a 66 on the scoreboard, a 50-something on the scoreboard, some sort of crooked number on the scoreboard. I think that really is a a point of pride and something intentional that happens in this game. 
I also think there's just a lot of guys in this game on the Penn State side that are from the area that are competing against guys that they played against in high school. They played seven, seven on seven with and against whatever the case may be. There, there's certainly a, a local flavor to this game where there's a lot of guys on both sides who know each other, but the guys with more talent and the motivation are on the Penn State side. So it pains me to say it. It absolutely crushes me. I will not be betting this myself. I can't bet it myself. I won't bet it. But to me, the most misaligned point spread on the board this week is this Penn State-Maryland game. It's Penn State minus eight and a half. I think it should be Penn State minus 14 and a half, Penn State minus 17 and a half. I expect Penn State, despite all their recent struggles, to absolutely dominate this one. Uh, sad to say, I don't think it's even close. All right, that was probably more Maryland football than you, you wanted to hear about in this segment. So let's uh, let's keep it moving here. Another big game in the Big 12 at 3.30, potentially the last bedlam for the foreseeable future. There are no more games scheduled between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State now that Oklahoma is leaving for the SEC, and this one's going to be in Stillwater, and I think that's a great place for it to end. Look, this is going to be the crowd of the week. I, I can't wait to watch this one. And it also has huge implications in the Big 12 standings. They are a part of that group of four and one teams. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both four and one. And Oklahoma State ha- has maybe now the most exciting player in the sport in Ollie Gordon, a guy who is putting up Barry Sanders like numbers. Ollie Gordon and Barry Sanders, the only two Oklahoma State players to ever rush for 250 yards in back-to-back games. That's right, 250-plus yards in back-to-back games. 271 versus Cincinnati, 282 versus West Virginia. One thing that's really impressed me about Oklahoma State over this run that they've had here, winning four in a row since losing to Iowa State, is the way that they've played in the second half and particularly the fourth quarter of games against Cincinnati a week ago, they outscored the Bearcats 35 to six in the second half. I guess against West Virginia two weeks ago, they outscore them 28 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And I think a huge part of that is the way they are, are grinding teams down in the running game with Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma has to bounce back here. Oklahoma drops that one to Kansas a week ago, but they still have national title hopes. They have a path. They still very much have a path. If they can win out in the regular season and then beat Texas again in a rematch of red river, they still have hope here, but it has to start with a win in Stillwater, And that's going to be a really tough task. I, I just don't have a good read. If I was forced to lean one way or another, I would lean Oklahoma State as the home dog plus six. But it's tough to bet against Oklahoma in this rivalry. This is the team that has absolutely dominated this rivalry. Uh, This is one that is going to be my main screen. I'm going to prioritize this one over Georgia-Mizzou. Georgia-Mizzou will probably be my second screen here. Uh, No bet in this one, but can't wait to watch it. 
All right, let's move on to the night slate. And the first game that I am betting in the night slate is a 7 p.m. game. And so we're going to stick in the Big 12 here. I'm taking Iowa State as the short as the short favorite against Kansas at home. Iowa State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks, of course, in a classic letdown spot, coming off that big win over Oklahoma, their first win over Oklahoma since 1997. And what a win it was, and they should be proud of that win and everything they have accomplished, but it's really tough to get up after that game and go to Ames, Iowa at night. And for as good as that game was for Kansas, as much timely defense as they played, they got a big pick six in that one. They got some stops when they needed it. They still, I think this Kansas defense is still susceptible. They have given up a lot on the ground and this Iowa state run game has gotten better and better. It's been inconsistent. It wasn't great to start the year, but I, I like this duo of Eli Sanders and Cartavius Norton. Uh, Iowa State put up 5.8 yards per carry against TCU, and not quite as good, but 4.6 against Baylor. And I think they've just got they, they've been better and better. This offense has gotten better since early in the season. The defense is forcing turnovers and starting to look a lot more like an Iowa State defense. I like this spot here for Iowa State. Give me the Cyclones as a short favorite in this one minus two and a half against the Jayhawks the other a couple other big games that you I'm going to prioritize as my watching games that's my betting game but some other big games Washington goes to USC as a three-point favorite a critical game for the Huskies and as bad as USC has looked and as close as they as they have come to losing several times they are still five and one in the Pac-12 and very much in the mix in this Pac-12 race Man, I am tempted to take USC in this one just because of how Washington has looked the past couple weeks. I do wonder a little bit if the Huskies have run out of gas here. But there's also that possibility that they had that big game against Oregon. They've been let down just a little bit the past couple of weeks. I actually didn't think they played terrible against Stanford. There were some timely things that just didn't work out quite right for them. They did get out gained in that game, but for, for by and large, they were moving the ball up and down the field in that one. Definitely some questions about the defense, but anyway, there is that chance that maybe they've just been playing with their food a little bit. And now that they have a game where they, that the uh, opposition really has their attention, they will kind of round back into form and come up big a little bit like what I was talking about with Georgia. And if they do, I think they'll be very telling about Washington and what they can accomplish this season, but I'm just too uncertain on this one right now. So no bet for me in this one. I can't go either way, but it's one that I'm going to be watching very intently, especially with my Washington futures to win the league, to make the playoff, Michael Penix to win the Heisman. This is one that I will be watching intently. And then the big one probably of the day, Number 14 LSU goes to Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa to take on the number eight Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama, a short favorite in this one, a field goal favorite against LSU. And this is 
a game we've been waiting for all year. I think this is a game where we're really going to find out just how much of a contender on a national stage is Alabama this season because look they've been just they've been doing nothing but winning since they dropped that game against Texas but there's still been this underlying question is their offense good enough is their offense good enough is their offense good enough and we're gonna find out because the LSU offense is damn good the LSU offense is going to put up some points and the question becomes can Alabama match them and they should be able to if they're a national title contender because LSU's defense has not been good we saw what FSU did to that defense in week one we've seen Jalen Milrow throw the deep ball we've seen how that can work out but there's just been nothing in the mid-range for Jalen Milrow and this is going to be a huge test for Alabama's offense not because of the defense of LSU but because they're going to need to keep up with the offense of LSU I think really good teams can win games in a variety of ways they can win slugfests they can win shootouts they can win left-handed they can win right-handed and this is going to be a test for Alabama can they win in a way that they don't necessarily want to play we know this Alabama team can win a slugfest but can they win a shootout against maybe the best offense in the country I am going to take LSU as my last leg of my money line parlay of the week here. Take LSU outright to win because I think the LSU offense is just that good. I think if if Alabama is really forced to push, they're going to make a mistake at some point. They'll turn the ball over and that'll be the opening that LSU needs. I think LSU can get just enough on defense if Alabama is really forced to push and do some things they don't want to do. I expect LSU to to really move the ball against a good defense, but not an impenetrable Alabama defense. Jaden Daniels has been great this year. He has thrown the ball down the field so much more often than he did a season ago. That was kind of the knock on him last year. He is having a Heisman caliber type year. And uh, I'm going to take LSU to win this one as the last leg of my money line parlay of the week. So I got Boston College on Friday night, Clemson at noon Saturday, and then LSU on Saturday night on the road, plus 1061 as my money line parlay of the week. My last bet of the night is going to be late night, and it's going to be Arizona getting three at home against UCLA. And with this one, I just don't think the market has caught up to Arizona yet, and I don't know why. Arizona has been on absolute fire recently. Noah Fafita, the backup quarterback, who's uh, who's come in in place of Jaden Delora while he was hurt, has been absolutely on fire recently. The guy is completing like 76% of his passes. He's had 11 touchdowns to three picks in his last four games. And Arizona is playing with a spark right now, giving them three at home. I I just don't think that's the right line. Uh, I think this one should be a lot closer to a pick them to be perfectly honest with you. The defense has played well too. Uh, They shut down Washington state on the road a couple weeks ago in a 44 to six route. And then they came up with a huge win over Oregon state at home uh, a week ago. And this is an Oregon state team that I just think is better than UCLA. 
I like Noah Fafita in the battle of the quarterbacks here. Uh, UCLA is no longer playing their superstar freshman, Dante Moore, who has had his ups and downs this season. They're, they're back with Ethan Garbers, and I like Noah Fafita in the battle of the quarterbacks here. So give me Arizona. Just don't think the market has quite caught up to them yet. Give me the home dog Wildcats. That's our show for today. Enjoy week 10, everybody. It's going to be a great week. There are so many big games across the country. I love these weeks where there are big games all over the place. That's really the true flavor of college football to me. So I can't wait for it. And I can't wait to come back on Sunday and break it all down with you. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.